Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen. I'm the Bible teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, and I'm the executive director of the International Outreach and Disciple Making Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism. And these two ministries are the sponsors of this program. To learn about either, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Our full-time missionaries are working to equip and engage the body of Christ in countries in South America, Europe, Asia, and Africa. You can learn more about how we're raising up national evangelists, disciple makers, and church planters by going to traincpe.org. Please know that your prayers and your financial partnership are used of God to sustain this work. Now, let me invite you to go to Haggai chapter 2, verses 1-8. through 8. There the prophet is addressing a discouraged gathering of Jews in Jerusalem. They've been directed of God to rebuild the temple, but they can see plainly that their work is nothing against the great command of God. They see that they've produced a small thing, nothing great in their own eyes. And yet God tells them of great glory that he is bringing upon the earth one day. He's letting them know that when they work for him, no matter how small the work may seem, it is in line with a glory unimaginable and a glory that is on its way. When you're discouraged in your labors for the Lord, may you find that your work is in line with the rising glory yet to come. We live in light of the orderly reign of Christ in this world, and so, again, we're the only people who can, in a sense, in the middle of the chaos, keep our wits about us and our heads about us and be calm and steady and go forward in obedience to Him, trusting in Him. You continue laying down and building upon that foundation. I'm going to shake the earth and I'm going to shake all things and all things are going to pass away. I'm going to accomplish what I've assigned The assignments I give will last forever and ever and ever. For us, it's all that we do as we labor in the church and as we're faithful to Jesus Christ, all that we do is to be a prophetic declaration of our confidence in everything that Jesus Christ has promised. That he will shake up the earth and then he will take up his rule from sea to shining sea. That's what he's telling them. Here's another thing it says here. It says, they will come to the desire of all nations. They will come to the desire of all nations. There's some disagreement as to the meaning of that. Some people believe that what is being said there is that the nations will bring all of their precious things into him at that time. But the ancient Jewish scholars and the early church writers all understood that this was a promise of the nations coming to the Messiah as their great and deepest desire. He is the ultimate desire of all nations. And that thought I find wonderfully appealing. People don't know it. But what they're really longing for in the world is a savior. When you watch news stories of individuals who are horribly violated and that are crying out for justice, or you see a devastated soul who is weeping on the rubble of some ruined, bombed-out city, calling out for an end of war and violence and wanting only peace in their community and wanting the end of bloodshed and violence, you're actually seeing an individual who is longing for a Messiah to come and bring to the earth his rule of peace and justice. They don't know it. They haven't defined it that way, but that's ultimately what's at the heart of all mankind. When you see people in streets carrying out their protests for whatever their complaint is, And oftentimes their grievances are misapplied and misdirected. But the deep underlying desire in these individuals, whether they know it or not, is for a Savior to come 
who will settle all the unsettled scores of this world and will issue forth a decree of power that will make for justice and equity in all of the earth and for righteousness to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. They're longing for him. Jesus Christ is the desire at the bottom of an aching heart, longing for rightness in a wrong world. God tells the people engaged in building the temple that it will be a witness of his presence in the world, a place that will be a house of prayer for all the nations, and that they will come to that place and there they will discover the one thing, the one want, the one they desire, whether they know it or not, the one they desire above all else. We in the church are meant to feed people their core need. And it's not security, and it's not meaning, and it's not purpose, and it's not friendship, and it's not just justice, and it's not food, and it's not wealth and health. It's Christ. It's Jesus himself, the bread of life and the fountain of life. He is at the core of the deep ache of all individuals. And we are called to labor together to exalt him and lift him up, to offer him up to all people as the one who satisfies everything in their lives. Here's the third thing that we read here. In verse 7, Haggai tells the people, God speaks through Haggai over that foundation they're looking at and says, I will fill this temple with glory. I will fill this temple with glory. I want you to note something here. They're looking at this very poor foundation they've laid out. It's, it's evoked within them weeping and wailing and crying because it's so pathetic in light of their memories and also in light of what they think they're supposed to do. God speaks through Haggai as they're looking at that ruin and God compares the temple that they're looking at, this new foundation, to the temple in Solomon's day that had one half of all the ancient world's gold supplied to it to lay over it. And God, through Haggai, refers to that temple, that foundation they're looking at, that rough bit of just stone sticking out of the ground, and he calls that foundation this temple. This temple. He says it this. How many of you remember this temple in Solomon's day? And so he takes the temple of Solomon and the foundation that they're looking at at this moment and brings them together as one thing and says, this temple, Solomon's temple, this thing here, this temple, they're both the same thing. Herod later on is going to take the temple that they built. He's going to strip it down to the foundation again. He's going to build it up again, and he's going to adorn it. It's still not going to come close to approaching the external glory that was apparent in the temple in Solomon's day, but it's going to still be this temple. It's this temple. And the reason it's this temple is not because of who built it. It's not because of the construction material that was used in it. It's not whether it's made with stones and sticks or silver and gold. It's not that. The thing that ties it all together to make it this temple is that it represents an ideal that God has for the people. And the ideal is God's presence on the earth, dwelling among people. It's the invisible God drawing near so that he might be approached and worshipped. That's the idea that this temple expresses. And Haggai says, looking at it, this temple will be filled with a greater glory, a future glory that will excel the past glory that was known in this place. That little foundation they stood over that seemed as nothing in their eyes was in line with a glory that was coming which would surpass all the glory that even was in the day of Solomon. It would be greater than anything they'd ever known. What was Haggai referring to? There's a bit of debate about that as well. 
Some thought maybe he was prophesying about the moment when Christ, Jesus, the baby, was dedicated in the temple that Herod would build. This temple, same temple. That is a greater glory. When the Lord Jesus was brought, our Savior is brought in the temple for dedication. Others think that, well, you know, it goes on. You know, as a 12-year-old, he returned to that temple, and he was debating with the leaders, religious leaders in the temple at that time, and he referred to the temple as my father's house. Well, that was a greater glory. And, of course, the Lord Jesus as well taught in that temple and healed people within its precincts and drove out the money changers and said, this temple is to be a house of prayer for all nations. Oh, that was a greater glory, too. How wonderful far excelling the gold that was laid upon that temple by Solomon was the God who holds all silver and all gold coming as a man and making his presence known in that temple. That's a greater glory. Others believe that it refers possibly to the temple to be built in the millennial kingdom out of which Christ will reign on earth as a priest and a king. That, that will be a greater glory. But I think that the glory that God is pointing us to here through Haggai is that glory that comes when the endless ages begin to roll upon a new earth and a new heaven that comes down upon the earth. The Bible tells us there's coming a day when God is going to burn or consume this earth with fire and he's going to reconstruct it and raise it up and he's going to renew it and then there's going to be a, a new heaven, a new Jerusalem that comes down out of the heavens upon the earth. Revelation chapter 21 describes it to us. And then at the end of it, in verse 22, John, receiving a vision of this new heaven and this new earth and the eternal state, writes this. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Our Lord Jesus himself and all of his manifest glory as our Savior and as the Messiah and Savior of the world, as its Lord and its everlasting King, will be the culminating glory of the temple. That little foundation they were building was only a foundation pointing in line in keeping with the great glory that God would one day bring upon a renewed earth when heaven came down and Christ himself would be the temple, the place where all men would come and approach and bow and worship in the presence of our everlasting God forever and ever. That's greater glory. That's great glory. It's unimaginable. It's unfathomable. When we give ourselves to the duty that he gives us, as small as it may seem, as insignificant as it may seem, as we carry on the mission that Christ gave us to be working with him in his direction, his prophesied statement, I will build my church in this age, raising up in communities around the world temples to the living God as simple expressions of the glory yet to come when Christ will come one day to rule and reign among us forever and ever. We are in line with a future promise of glory unimaginable. Glory unimaginable. And so we're to be strong. And we're to keep on working in the building of that temple. We're not to forsake it. The last thing Christ says here is, or Haggai says, the Lord says through Haggai is, I will give peace. God says, I will give peace. God's aim is to bring wholeness to the world, a settledness in all of life. May we even now serve in the completeness that is ours in Jesus Christ. We're not attempting to prove ourselves. We're not attempting to complete ourselves through our labor and service of our King. We're not laboring to earn God's favor. We're giving ourselves to His pleasure. 
we are living out the peace and the wholeness that we receive from him and that one day will flow to all the earth. We're celebrating that together. We're laboring before his promises to come. And so we bring him pleasure and we give him glory. Let's keep doing that. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our Heavenly Father, we would ask that your Holy Spirit would grant us visions of our Lord Jesus Christ in his majestic glory. Dear Jesus, you are going to tread upon this earth, reclaimed, made holy, perfect in every way. But now you live in the heart of every person who's yielded themselves to you and received you as Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, King, Lord Jesus, Great High Priest, tread in the heart, our hearts, in all holiness. Help us to recognize your beauty, your wonder, to be captivated by your presence. May we prize in our own lives just this one promise that you're with us, that you would design and desire to be glorified through us. May that drive us to one another to be together so that our assembly together may be to heighten together the expression of this great reality and to raise ourselves up in our community as an expression of the presence of the King who is coming will reign upon this earth one day, but who reigns in our midst and rules here. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, go to traincpe.org, traincpe.org, to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.